active duty service members, veterans, family members, thank you for your service. And thank you for listening to Return to Roots Mildevet Resource Podcast, where we document our shared experiences, stories, and transitioning and reintegrating from the military to the community. Hosted by two transitioning service members, myself, Chris Elder, and my partner in crime, Yonatan Hernandez. For more information, go to mill2vet.com. If you have little ears, ensure you listen to the content before you allow them to listen. And if you are in crisis and homelessness, suicide ideations, or incarceration, dial 211 Courage to Call for assistance. Now, stand by for the sound of freedom. Return to Roots. Welcome to the show. Today, we are going to be interviewing an author, a book author, a phenomenal business leader that is wanting to make and help succeed not only veterans, but the community. Without further ado, here is Jan Rutherford. Yogi, thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's an absolute honor to be able to share this time with you and learn about what it is that your organization and that your leadership podcast does. Um, Can you start off by telling us who you are? Yeah. My my name's Jan Rutherford. I'm the founder of Self-Reliant Leadership. And um, my background is I was a 17-year-old kid who went in the Army and, and thought he could become a Green Beret because somebody told me I could. And um, I only weighed 114 pounds, but somehow I made it through. Best thing I ever did, changed my life. And, um, you know, fast forward, I I spent 25 years, you know, working for other people. And for about the past 10 to 12 years, I've been working for myself uh, in a leadership development firm that we do a few things. We do executive coaching. We lead expeditions with military veterans and executives out in the wilderness. We've got a podcast. We do keynote speeches. We have online video courses. And um, it's all about what I learned in the military about great leadership um, creates great teams. And um, unfortunately, all of us have been with really poor leaders and, and been on really poor teams. So I've sort of made it m- my mission in life to try to figure out what makes a leader and I won't figure that out until the day I die, I'm sure. Um, but I keep studying leaders, bad leaders, good leaders, and I keep trying to help leaders be more effective team players and, and more effective, you know, creating high-performing teams. So anyway, long long answer to your short question, Yogi. Uh, that's, that's pretty uh, pretty awesome stuff. Uh, we were recording with Jim. And he was like, oh, man, you should talk to Jan about his crucibles that he does. Yeah. So, so like, that's like the first thing I want to get into. Like, what yeah. led to starting these crucibles that, that you host? Well, you know, I, I, I like it was yesterday. I remember being trained how to lead patrols by a bunch of Vietnam veterans. And I remember being an 18-year-old kid. And most of the people that were on my in my group were, you know, older than me, or they were junior NCOs, and I was tasked with leading them on a patrol. And I remember getting good feedback. 
And it just, you know, built my confidence like you wouldn't believe. And I, and fast forward, I was in the business world in meetings and hotel, you know, meeting rooms. And I'm like, this isn't the place to learn about leadership. I mean, you learn about leadership when you're cold, wet, tired, and hungry, when people are out of their comfort zone. And I thought, boy, if I ever get the opportunity to combine my two passions, developing leaders and being in the wilderness, I would do it. So in 2014, we did our, our first one with a very small group and it was not ideal. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it was a disaster, but it was pretty bad. It was out in Moab. It did not go as planned. And I had a partner and he said, I'm out. He goes, you know, hey, if you want to keep doing this, you do it. And I said, okay, I'm I'm going to keep doing it. And then I I I I did my after action review. I figured out what we did right, what we did wrong, what we need to improve. Did the next one. It was awesome. Um, we really help people. And now um, we just finished our 23rd expedition, and we've been from Patagonia to Alaska, Moab, the Wallowa Mountains of Oregon, the Rocky Mountains. We've been all over the place and we've helped probably about 250 people total. About half of those are executives and half were military veterans and probably 50 to 75% of the military veterans that have participated have been from the special operations community, men and women, and um, people that have had 12, 18 combat deployments. Um, and I, I'm really proud that we've been able to help them because what happens, the executives realize, boy, there's some really smart people that are going to transition out that I need to have on my team. And we help the veterans understand um, the one thing they didn't learn in the military. And that is a business is all about generating revenue. And you know how to spend money when you're in the military, you have budgets and, and you know how to spend it. There's very few people in the military that actually go out and get somebody to sign a check. And that's the difference. And no matter what you do in the business world, you have to remember that there is a customer that is going to pay for something they perceive to have more value than it costs. And that's, that's the business world. And I think it's really cool and really powerful. And if it's a good company with good leaders and they have a noble purpose, they can do good in the world. And so, you know, I get all these men and women together and it's just magic, you know, what happens out there. And, you know, I just love to to do that. And somebody on the trip will always say, so this is your office, huh? And I'm like, well, for, for a few days, yes, yes. And, and so that's pretty cool. So to kind of summarize a little bit about what the crucible is, is you take military members and executives you throw them out in the wilderness basically to survive and learn from each other and thrive and then build that network and just that unique bond that you cannot build either from one as a military member you understand that right because that's part yeah. of your life yeah. but as an executive you cannot and you, no matter how many movies you watch whatever you have this different idea, different image than when you actually live it. Yeah. Yogi, that's it exactly. And we don't, we don't teach survival skills or anything. We, we have different people lead on different days so people can observe different communication styles, decision-making processes, 
and how people handle adversity. We're not trying to make somebody a leader in the wilderness or teach land navigation or anything. We're just out there. It's the vehicle. And what um, what also happens, executives get to a point where they, they you know, again, it's a, a a 400 meter race that you run 24 hours a day. That's the business world for an executive. So this is an opportunity for them to not have a phone, to do a digital detox and take a step back and go, as I say, sit on the hill and see, you know, what should I be doing? I'm busy, but what should I be doing? And it helps the the veterans understand, hey, you know, here's what it takes. Um, there's a lot of sacrifice and you know, in the military, oftentimes you'll have cycles, as you you both know. You'll be busy, and then you'll have a real slow period. You'll be busy in a slow period. In the business world, there is no slow period. You're just busy, um, and it's always what can you do from you know what have you done for me lately? You you hit your your numbers for the week, the month, the quarter, and then the, the numbers go up. And it's kind of like an expedition. If I were to say to the team, hey, see that those mountains, we're going to go the highest peak. And we get up there and we go, okay, you made it the summit. Yay. Oh, look, this isn't the highest peak. That one is. What do you have to do? You got to go down. Oh, that sucks. Then you got to go back up again. And I, and it's a great metaphor for the business world. You know, as soon as you hit a goal, there's another bigger goal and a bigger goal and a bigger goal. And it's really helpful for these men and women to understand each other's perspectives. And we do always place um, a, an executive with a, a veteran and we, we make them accountability partners, like, like a battle buddy. And they start talking and getting to know each other way before we go on the crucible. And oftentimes they become really good friends and, and they really make really great connections. And, and the other thing that happens out there, not all the time, but sometimes, the veterans will tell some war stories, you know, things they've been through, and it really helps executives understand the sacrifices that were made and the, the really tough decisions that we Americans ask our young people to make that serve our country and, and decisions that they might have made when they were 25 that they have to live with for the rest of their life. That, that doesn't happen in the business world. No, I like it this uh the teams when you form them up do you have like executives and they'll be like hey i got a group of people that like let's say a law office was like hey <laughs> i i want to take a group of my partners and some of my team members and go on this expedition how, how do they go about becoming yep. part of that well we've got most of the ones we've run what i'll call them for lack of a better word is public so I'll recruit executives from different companies to go out and then I'll recruit the military members and pair them up. And so it's basically a bunch of strangers. There have been a, a spattering of crucibles where it's an intact team that all come out that the, the president, the CEO said, I want my whole team to go. That's rare because, you know, you're, you're asking people to do something really hard physically and not everybody can do it. And so most organizations aren't going to do something that they can include everybody. But I have done that and it presents different challenges. I mean, when it's strangers, no one has anything to prove, protect or promote, and they will talk about everything. When a group that has history go out, they might lo literally love each other and care and, you know, like a, like a special operations team. 
but they're cognizant that they're not going to share everything. They're not going to open up, you know, there's still a power dynamic and, and all that, but it it is, it does help them bond. Um, but it's hard for them to, you know, if, if I've got a topic I want them to focus on, it's hard for them to not go into the weeds and go and bring up examples and start talking about, you know, it's hard for them to stay up at a high level, big picture strategy, philosophical leadership, because they get into the, you know, the day-to-day -day stuff. So good, good question, Chris. Yeah, I love I love the that somebody actually decided to take their team out there because they could they could really spin off and go really crazy, like you were saying. Yeah. And, uh the strangers thing is pretty cool. So let's say I have a uh, veteran buddies that want to go uh help out with the crucible. How, yep. uh, how do you find your veteran population? Yeah, and the and the veterans don't help with the crucible. The veterans are participants. I've had a lot of veterans that say, Hey, I want to, you know, they're good NCOs or whatever. And they're like, I want to come train. Like, this isn't about the wilderness. You know, this is about you learning about the business world, you learning about executives. This is about you being a student. This isn't about you coming out and helping me. Um, and we, we, we always have professional guides that accompany us because there's always a rope involved. And if there's a rope involved, there's more insurance <laughs> and there's permits. And I have world-class guides that I've been able to work with. I mean, really world-class. Um, but the way I go about finding the veterans is, is really been word of mouth. That's, that's really how I've found people. And, and over the years, I've gotten a little bit, um, a little bit pickier, you know, about who, who goes out there. You know, I've always had three criteria that they have to be selfless. They have to be adventurous, willing to take risks. And third, they have to have heroic aspirations beyond power and money to make a difference in other people. But I've added another one, especially for the veterans, and that is they need to be curious. Um, they can't go into NCO trainer mode and just think everybody wants to be a commando and they're out there to teach people. They, they have to be curious about this new world they're entering. It's not all about their war stories. And um, that's what I'm looking for is people that are really curious. And I'll tell you, I had a, a guy on the one last month in July. He's from a, a special mission unit, um, Sergeant Major, you know, Stanford MBA, great, great person. And he took copious notes, asked a million questions. And I'm like, this is the, that's the right guy. That's the right guy. On, on these trips. So, yeah. And we don't have, you know, the hard part about this is it doesn't scale. You know, I can't, I, I can't, you know, it's not something that, you know, we could put a thousand people through. It's, it's really hard. So, and again, I'm not telling you this cause I'm trying to promote, but one of the things we just did was submitted a book to a publisher where we took the 12 things that happen on every crucible and those 12 things became a chapter and we told a story and how that relates to the business world. And we're hoping that that book will serve as a foundation to help people that can't go on a crucible, understand what happens and, and maybe get curious and ask people and, and um, you know, create their own crucibles, if you will. I mean, there's no reason that veterans can't, before they get out, interview 20 executives and, and just, ask a whole bunch of people a whole bunch of questions and realize that is 10 times more valuable 
been putting their resume together and telling everybody about all the stuff they did. And here's what I want. And I want to make 300,000 a year. And I want to get off at three to coach my kids in soccer. I want five weeks of vacation. It doesn't work that way. You know, sorry, but it doesn't. So get curious about what all these problems these leaders have, because they're hiring you to make their job easier. That's the only reason they're hiring you. They're not hiring you because they want to make your life better. They, they want to make their life better and offload work to you. <laughs> and if you do a good job, then you get promoted to where they're at. And then you get to go hire people to make your job easier. But that's not going to happen right when you get out. So what triggered this mindset to be able to get to the point that you got to make the crucible? What in your life happened mm. uh, between the time that you separated mm. to where you're at? Yeah, Yogi, great, great question. Uh, I'll tell you, I, I did my nine years. I was 17 to 26 when I did my nine years. So I got out before my 27th birthday. And that, and I'm just let everyone know, it's easy when, if you're transitioning and you're 26 years old, it's way easier than if you're 46 years old. It's a whole different thing because as a 26 year old, I could accept an entry level position, which I did. If you're 46, you're not going to accept an entry level position. But what I did is I paid my dues for 25 years. I worked my way up through corporations and you know, got to the VP level. And at the very end, I was a CEO of a small company. Um, but the last 10 years, what I, in hindsight, I realized I was an entrepreneur working for other people. I mean, that's what I was. I got to this point when I, I wanted to create great companies and a lot of people I worked for and with just wanted to make money. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a capitalist. I'm all for making money, but I think, I would rather work with companies that, you know, the goal is to create a great company that serves customers, treats employees right, and then the money will come, you know, versus the other way. And, um, you know, I, I always knew, I mean, when I got my beret, my green beret, when I was just turned 19 years old, I knew that what I'm doing today is what I wanted to do. Um, and I didn't have any entrepreneurial mentors or family members or anything. So I didn't think I could do it until the kids were grown. Like I, I didn't feel like I could take that risk until, you know, the kids were grown and then, okay, I can take that risk. If we make no money, it doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. If I'd known then what I know now, I would have started earlier, not too much earlier because to do what I'm doing, I think I had to learn a lot. I had to make lots of mistakes. I had to have all these experiences to hopefully quote unquote, be wise enough to be somebody's executive coach. But boy, oh boy, I wish I'd started, you know, a little bit sooner because, you know, I've had jobs, I've had a career and now I, I have a calling. And so I, I, you know, in the big scheme of things, I don't work. I mean, this is my life. I mean, my life is intertwined. My time, you know, I get to do all the fun stuff and I mean, I get to, I get to coach people while I'm, I'm hiking in my, in my neighborhood. I mean, literally I'll go for a, a th you know, a three mile hike in an hour. And that was a coaching session with somebody. I mean, how lucky is that? Um, but, you know, I, and I have to remind myself that, you know, a, a good 30 plus years went into 
you know, being able to have that, you know, that one hour moment. It wasn't like, you know, I, 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 I left the, the army and then all this magic instantly happened. You got to really work hard. You got to make lots of mistakes. You got to learn from them. You've got to have mentors and good people around you rooting for you. Um, and, and again, you will make lots of mistakes and you will have jobs that you don't love. And it's part of paying the dues, just like you did in the military. You, you know, you didn't start out as the boss in basic training, um, or officer basic or our day or whatever. So anyway. So with your organization, what are some of the really like key lessons that you've learned while doing this in the last few years that you've been getting this crucible yeah. the last 23 years you said with the crucible is that right no 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 i i've done 23 crucibles for about 10 years 10 yeah. years so the last yeah. 10 years the 23 well, crucibles what is what are some of the most valuable lessons that you you feel that is being pulled from these well you know when i run a crucible what i've learned is it's about me designing, you know, it's about designing it. You know, I pick the right people. I create the right activities. I set the right expectation. I'm, I'm a designer. The less I do out there, the better the crucible. You know, there's some people that are, you know, the like out in the woods and one-on-one -on -one with people, they are awesome. And, you know, they're just natural coaches and people will follow them to the ends of the earth. I think I'm okay at that. I think I'm a really good designer. And I think oftentimes that's underestimated is a leader has to figure out how do you create an environment where you get all the right behaviors? I mean, again, the less I do on the crucible, the more magic happens, the more I try to control things or insert myself. And so what I'm constantly learning is, you know, I, I and the leaders I work with, we've got to get better at asking questions. We got to, we got to, that's the main thing. We, we all, you know, we all know how to lead by being directional and authoritative, but that doesn't create the commitment we want. The commitment comes from people feeling that they have autonomy, you know, they're learning, they have purpose. I mean, that, that's where motivation comes from. And, you know, sometimes, you know, this sound will sound trite, but I think sometimes as a leader, less is more. Fully agree, uh, and especially because there's a very fine line between being engaged and becoming a micromanager, and then also between being not caring for what your people do or how to lead them. Yeah. So it, that's fantastic how you place that. So now let's talk about your podcast. Hmm. What is your podcast about? So our podcast is called The Leadership Podcast, and our tagline is We Study Leaders. And that's what we do. We, um, we've had it seven years, almost 400 guests, and some of the names the people on this listening might know. We've had Martin Dempsey on, former chairman of the Joint Chiefs. We've had Mike Rogers, former head of the NSA. Um, we've had Admiral Mullen, former chairman of the Joint Chiefs. We've had Stan McChrystal on, team of teams author, um, former commander in Afghanistan. We've had some really, you know, just a plethora of every service. Oh, there you go. 
Um, I'm I'm looking at a Mike Mullen coin. Um, he he's brilliant. Yeah, I got he's this one in Afghanistan. That is so cool. Yeah, yeah. He um he, he you know I I love interviewing the admirals because they're such independent thinkers. Um, and um, yeah, I I I I've, we've really enjoyed interviewing the admirals that we've had on, but. We've had this for a long time. Jim Jim Vasilopoulos and I ask, I, I think we try to ask really good questions and engage people in a good discussion. And um, we're, again, we're trying to figure out, you know, what makes a leader? And, uh, you know, and, and it's kind of cool and you guys might experience this, but sometimes I feel like, you know, every week we talk to a new guest, it's like um, an MBA refresher. And you know, and and sometimes you know we're just amazed and and in awe of the people on. Sometimes there'll be somebody on that's kind of well known, and it's like, you know, I I, I don't understand why they're so well known, <laughs> but you know, there's something to learn from everybody, and um, you know, the really interesting people are are the ones that you know are super curious. They're w really well read, um, you know, they they've you know, they've, they've, and they've paid their dues. And, and the ones I really like are the ones that, you know, are really self-made, you know, they might've started out, you know, it kind of at the bottom and, you know, they worked really hard and, um, you know, it kind of goes to my whole angle of self-reliance, you know, that, you know, there's, there's, you know, and your, one of your questions you ask often is, you know, what do companies do to support you? And, you know, I think first, first is you have to take personal responsibility. You have to be self-reliant. That's what you, and then, you know, organizations, I mean, the organizations to support veterans shouldn't do anything different than they're doing to be great organizations. I mean, that they should treat everybody because yeah, veterans are different. They serve, they did all this, but there's a whole bunch of people in the company that have all these special backgrounds and attributes. And, you know, there's people that have come from nothing and, and work their butts off in all kinds of, you know, um, hard jobs. And, you know, you, you have no idea what, um, you know, civilians that didn't serve overcame to get where they're at. So, you know, I, I think there's two things and, you know, again, the, the, the way that a veteran can best, you know, foster an environment that's going to be good for them is to be really curious, you know, about the problems and challenges that they've been hired to solve. And what that company is really all about. And, and again, to, you know, look through all the shininess and the website and all that and the money and really find, you know, as people would say, good dudes and good dudettes. I mean, you know, especially if you're older than 26, you're, you're, you're too old to put up with being around jerks. You want to be around good people that share your values. And, and that is the most important thing. It's not the industry or this, that company or the shiny company car. It's being around good people that have a noble purpose. And he goes with one of my favorite um, phrases. It says, do not, uh, it's from uh, JF Kennedy. Do you want, oh man, I just forgot it. Um, don't worry about what your country is doing for you. Do what your country? Oh, how does that go? What what your country can do for you don't. It's not what your country can for do for you. It's what you can do for your country. 
Yeah, that's a great. And JFK is, you know, he's, you know, mythic status with the Green Berets because he's the one that authorized special forces to wear the Green Beret. And the the Green Berets were the ones that carried his casket. Um, So, yeah, it's a, yeah, he's, he's a big deal in the Green Beret community. So, yep. It's funny because the, the reason why, one of the things I I love about our community, right? When you're like, man, I get phone calls all the time about from veterans. Hey, how can I help train? You know, we're always like, hey, how can I help? You know, we're always really kind of self-motivated and a lot of us are incredibly selfless, um, sometimes to a default. Yeah, and, and that's where I could really see how your organization really kind of helps people realize, yeah. you know, this is your time to learn. And yeah. that's that's one of the things that we really talk about here on the Mill Vet uh, within our community is that you have to be curious and you have to like realize that no one else is going to care about your transition more than yeah. yourself. And a yeah. lot of us don't even think about it until it's too late. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, here's the, here's the other thing. Everybody, everybody out there in the business world is in transition. I don't care if they served or they didn't serve. They are all in transition. Everybody is here and they want to be there. And a lot of them don't know how to bridge that gap. And they're struggling. You know, whether it's somebody that's 70 years old and wants to retire and how do I transition out of my company and find meaning in my life or a manager I, I, you know, I talked to today at Amazon who wants to be a senior manager. Um, and then eventually I want to be an entrepreneur. I mean, everybody's trying to figure that out. So as a veteran, you know, you are special, you're unique, you sacrificed, but you're not unique in that you're the only one going through a transition. And and here's the other thing. Everybody has got crap going on at home. Everybody's got you know, everybody's got family stuff, personal stuff. Everybody's got that. So, you know, when, when you come into a company and say, I need to work remote and I need to, you know, and you've got all these requirements, it's like, if somebody's going to have to take up the slack, if, if, if you're, if you're asking for all this stuff, because everybody's got stuff, everybody. And as you know, as leaders, you know, what we do is, and again, we're not, we got stuff. We're also willing to raise our hand and say, I will sacrifice even more to help people, to take care of people, to serve. And even though you're, you might not be serving your country by going into a business, you're still serving other human beings. I mean, no matter what the company does, the company is trying to make other people's lives better in some way, shape or form. And it's up to you to find purpose and meaning in that and to know that you are serving. You know, you're being a good, a, a good fellow employee. You're being a good leader. You're being a good follower. You're being a good partner to, to clients. Um, I mean, you know, I, today's trash day in our neighborhood. And I, I saw the recycle guy come through and the trash collector come through. And, you know, I, it, it, it might be me getting older, but I just think there's beauty in what they do. I mean, think about if they, if we didn't have those guys and they're always friendly, they always wave. 
And at the end of the day, they get to go, you know, I went through this, I collected, you know, there's, there's some fulfillment in that. And they know they're helping. I mean, what would we do without, you know, I mean, every job has, you know, nobility in it. And um, no matter what we do, we, you know, even while we're paying our dues, we've got to figure out and find that nobility and purpose and meaning in, in what we're doing. Yeah, my father, one of the things that he used to tell me, and that always made me feel happy about anything that I did, he would say, and it was, this was in Spanish, we were in Mexico City when, when he said this. He was like, son, I don't care what title you have. I don't care how much money you have. How I will measure success for you is that you do the best of your abilities with whatever position you have. Even if you're a street sweeper, but you're happy and you're making it and you are the best street sweeper mm -hmm. out there, that will make me happy. So that changed from childhood. That, that changed a big mindset on, I don't care about money. I mean, we need it all to be able to be successful and survive and you know have the goods that we need, but it's not what drives me just like you said earlier, the money will come. The, the, the positions, the titles, they will come. Whether you, whether you have a good leader today or you have a horrible leader, it doesn't matter whether you get recognized or, or it for not, as long as you're self-recognizing that you're doing the best for yourself yeah. and then everything else will come. So yeah. that, though those, I mean, it, it surprises what you're doing, it surprises what you're teaching, and thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Your dad, your dad sounds like a wise man. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what's, what's one thing that uh, you think that your services um, could really help out with the veteran community? What, what do you think would really help them out with those who are transitioning because you got a lot of resources on there. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we've got a lot of videos and things and, and there's, you know, I, I mean, there's almost, we have almost one video for every crucible we've done, but I mean, there's that out there, there's testimonials, there's people, the things that people have written about what they've learned. Um, I, I think, you know, that's, that's, you know, the main thing. And it's always surprising to veterans that a lot of civilians haven't heard of an after action review they haven't heard that, you know, um, about commander's intent, you know, the, the, the why and the what, not the how, um, you know, so there's a lot of things that, you know, we veterans can teach, but at the same time, you know, there's a lot that we can learn, learn from them. You know, I, I again, I mean, I, I don't know that I, I haven't written a book to help with, you know, veteran transition. There's a lot of them out there. I think the book that we wrote that'll be published, um, is really to help leaders, not just veterans. The foreword is by Stan McChrystal, and the foreword is really excellent. Um, you know about what it what it takes. Um, but you know, again, you know, when we interviewed Simon Sinek, I remember he said, "It's a journey. It's a journey. It's a journey. You will never get there." You know, you have to remember that. And you know, there is no there. It, it is. I mean, he's right. It's a journey, and. Um, you know, you, you will figure out stuff as you go. And trust me, you will make lots of mistakes. 
you know, the worst thing I did when I became CEO, I, I thought, I think I got everything figured out. And as soon as I did, man, there's about 20 things that bit me in the butt, you know? So yeah, I, and I, I was thinking about that mountain biking the other day, I was feeling good and I'm like, Oh, that's bad. That's a bad feeling when you're on the mountain bike and you're, you're start getting this little confidence. Like, you know, things are really, I feel the flow. I feel the, and I'm like, Oh, Nope, Nope. You don't feel the flow. You don't feel it. Cause that's every time I've felt that I've gotten hurt. <laughs> so. So before we go into the save rounds and alibis, do you have anything else you want to put out? Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I think I've said a lot, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of preaching a little bit and I, I don't mean to, to, to oh, the no. folks out there, but don't even worry about it, man. This is, this is your show, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, you know, again, I mean, I, I appreciate your service. Um, I, I talked to a lot of veterans, you know, and, um, you know, it's just amazing. You know, when, when you get a little bit older, you're like, um, you know, old people in the military are like 42, you know, old people in the business world aren't 42. Um, you know, you're kind of in the prime of your life when you're 42. And, um, you know, it's just interesting. I mean, you, you've had lots of responsibilities. You've done a lot at a very young age. And, you know, that's the hard part is, you know, you got to backpedal a little bit, you know, you're, you're not going to have those same levels of responsibilities right away because you, you don't know the industry. You, there's lots of stuff you don't know. And, um, but it, it is knowable and it is, and you've got to figure it out. And again, you know, talk to, I mean, don't, don't spend all this time figuring out the perfect LinkedIn profile and a resume and all that crap, figure out some really good questions to ask people and get on the phone, even though you're scared and call people and ask if you can interview them and ask them questions about their problems, challenges, issues opportunities and see what you come up with. You know, maybe you'll have a hypothesis about what ails the average business leader out there. Um, I can tell you this, um, in, you know, in, in, this is something to keep in mind is, you know, very few business leaders get fired for not producing results or not reading a, a, a financial statement. People get fired for good old fashioned reasons. They don't get along with other people, you know, um, especially their peers, their boss, support staff. They're really good with their team, but they forget that everybody is a constituent um, or they try to be right all the time. They don't know which hill to die on. So they're dying on every hill. And, you know, I, there's a, I have worked with a lot of veterans who have been fired, who, who, never had a career setback like they did in the business world when you get fired. And it's because they, you know, ego and pride got in the way because they needed to be right. And it's like, you can be right, but you're right at the wrong time and to the wrong person in the wrong place and with the wrong message. And so, you know, the, you know, check your assumptions because you know what, maybe you're not as right as you think you are. Yeah, I love it, man. The being right sometimes you waste your energy. <laughs> well, if you're married, you know that's not not good. So, <laughs> so let's uh let's slide into this saved rounds right. and allies. So, uh, first one: 
what books, podcasts, or any kind of um, content do you recommend people to digest while they're transitioning? Yeah, so uh, the book, must-read book is from 1936, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. If you read nothing else, read that. Second book, read anything by Bob Cialdini. He wrote the book of influence, and it's like the it's like the answer key to how to influence people. Um, the third book would be my book, The Littlest Green Beret on, on Self-Reliant Leadership. Um, there's some fun stories in there, and I do talk about my transition a little bit. Podcasts, I, I honestly don't listen to very many because I don't have time and I'm not in the car that much, just driving. But my podcast, the Leadership Podcast, I think is a pretty good one. We interview a lot of military people and we know a lot of military people listen. And so we often speak directly to that that segment of the population that's listening. So those are those are some. But in you know, if, and again, if anybody ever wants to ping me on my website and ask me for for more, um, I've I've got I got gobs and gobs, especially if you're over forty five and and um, and you're you know what you call it you're on your second mountain. You know, I've got a whole bunch of different kinds of books for the old guys and old gals to to contemplate. Yeah, you made it up that peak, and then you look out and you're like, oh no, I got to go back. Yeah. There go back. <laughs> <I know. laughs> That's right. Yeah. So next question that I have for you is like, is they're very similar, but they're in different parts of your life. I would like for your guidance if you we're back to go back to whenever before you joined the military hmm. what advice would you give that young seems to be green beret yeah. and then before you started your transition what advice and how early would you give that advice before getting out of the military well i was i was in high school when i joined i it was my i joined in my in january of my senior year and then I went in two weeks after graduation, 17 years old, 114 pounds. And luckily I had a great mentor that was World War II, Vietnam, Korea veteran, who was also a Green Beret. And he told me something at the time that didn't, he told me, he gave me two pieces of advice. He said, you know, when it's hard, take it day by day, when it's really bad, hour by hour, when it's horrible, moment by moment. That really helped, you know, when I was cold, wet, tired, hungry. So that's good advice. But the best advice he gave my 17-year-old self that did not make any sense at the time, he said, Jan, you have to work with everyone. Get along with everyone. Not everyone has to be your friend. Pick your friends very carefully. That made no sense. And if if there was a mistake I made was um, as a uh, you know, junior enlisted guy, I mean, there were some really great people as around and there were some really bad people you know, that didn't have a moral compass. And um, I wasn't as quick as I should have been, you know, to basically separate the, you know, the the people that had a moral compass from the people that didn't. Because sometimes the people that didn't have a moral compass were very charismatic <laughs> and fun. And, you know, they were the ones that could get you in trouble. And luckily, I mean, you know, by the grace of God, you know, um, I didn't, I didn't get in, in too much trouble. But um, that would be it. And and transitioning out, I I did. I think I did a pretty good job transitioning out. I I worked for a year. I read everything. You know, I did. I had mentors, and every piece of homework they gave me, I did it. And um, 
you know, I knew I had to because I had a wife and a baby and I was getting out on a Friday and I, and we had no money. And I, I had to have a job on that Monday and I did. And um, I had a good job and a good company and I worked my butt off to get that. But I also, and I wish I had kept it. This is the old days. I had a stack, a paper stack of rejection letters from companies, you know, that was an inch and a half thick. And um, what's really funny is a year or two after I was, you know, doing well in, in my job, a lot of those companies that rejected me came after me. They didn't want to take a chance on me as a veteran. But once I had a little bit of a track record, then they wanted me. But I wish I had kept that as sort of a badge of honor. And, you know, I remember that really got me down, all that rejection. You know, that was really tough. But, you know, and that's the other thing is, you know, if you get a foundation, if you're lucky enough, quote unquote, to get a foundation in sales, you'll develop, you know, rhino skin. And, you know, and that's been really helpful um, because if if you're going to be a business leader, you are going to be chief salesperson. You will be. And, you know, you are not, and everything doesn't go your way. Not everybody wants what you have to offer. And, um, you know, again, you know, you, you've got to really approach it with rhino skin. You know, you're out there trying to help and it's going to resonate with some people and some people not. So I, man, I'm, I'm just kind of like self-reflecting on one thing. I just want to point everything, something out to everyone that's listening. And Jen has said it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Mm. You're going to fail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you pointed it out over and over and over and over again. I, I just sat here. I'm like, you're yeah. going to fail. Your first time is going to suck. Your first crucible sucked so bad that someone wanted to quit or did quit yeah my, my the partner yeah. yeah yeah and but you didn't you didn't let that keep you down you just got back up and you started over and over again you got rejection letters over and over and over and over again but yet you still ended up with the job yeah. that's yeah. perseverance well, well and i look at all the things i tr all the times i tried to get my own business going with different people i mean there's so many fits and starts you know jim and i've had ideas on things that didn't go some online courses some urban crucibles we we've had lots of stuff and you know my wife gave me the best advice when i started my business she said the market will tell you what it values um you know cuz i do a bunch of stuff and you know, when I look at where my revenue comes from or where I spend my time and my activities, it, like a pie chart, you know, I thought the, the slice that's really tiny right now, I thought that would be the big slice. It's not, you know, the, the market told me what it valued. So you have to pay attention. And, and I don't care if you're going to work at a company, that those companies, if you listen to the questions they ask, how they respond, they're going to tell you what they value in you and your potential. And, you know, you, you've got to pay attention to it and, and you've got to adjust. And, you know, I tell the, especially the guys that were in, and now women that were, were Green Berets, that it's like a unconventional warfare mission. You know, 12 guys, 12, 12 people supposed to go into village and create a fighting force of 1,200. They're force multipliers. 
they've got to have an engineer and a medic and a commo guy and this and that. And their job is, you know, you don't know the language, you don't know the culture, you better figure that out. And then you're going to win their hearts and minds and you got to be a diplomat. And then you're going to teach them to fight and free, free the oppressed. You know what? Same thing. You're going out into, you know, a village that they don't speak, they speak a different language. They have different cultural norms. You got to go figure out how to help them, you know, and, and the Green Berets are super adaptive. That's what they do. That's what you've got to do. You can't go in rigid and go, well, here's what I do. This, here's how my MOS translates to the civilians. I mean, that's just dumb. I, I think that's just dumb. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, you're good, man. You're good. One of the questions that we like to ask people is mindset. And you could put this towards yeah. anybody that's in a transitioning um, situation. And like you pointed out early episode, it's not just military that transition. How, how do you manage your mindset through a transmission, uh, through yeah. transition? Well, I've always been an endurance guy and I think it's the same, you know, um, <laughs> I, I, I think I've experienced runners high maybe twice. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, that's not something I've experienced. I've experienced a lot of pain and I know how to suffer for a long time. And I think, I think that's, what's helped me the most is just thinking like an endurance athlete. That's the mindset is, um, you know, like even like mountain biking, there's times when you're aerobic times when you're anaerobic, you know, how do you figure out how to rest while keep moving? And then you're getting ready for more pain. And then is it pain or are you tired? It's like paying attention. Um, and, and kind of, you know, and, and figuring out you, you are going to have to make sacrifices. Um, you are going to be the, you know, the, the civilian equivalent of cold, wet, tired, and hungry. And you just got to get through it. And you've got to know like, Hey, I'm going to keep getting the same lesson until I learn it. Uh, you know, I'm and you know, and, and I, and, and here's the other thing, whatever feedback you got from your senior NCO or your off commanding officer, whatever feedback you've gotten for 20 years, you're still going to get that same feedback. I mean, the stuff you're good at and the stuff you're not so good at is, isn't going to change. But what you've got to realize is the strengths that you have got you to this point. And it's not like you're going to go fix weaknesses. You've got to recognize when those strengths don't serve you very well. Like I'll give you an example. You're a really energetic person. Eh, you're probably not very patient. You're, maybe you're not a very good listener. You get a lot of stuff done. You can multitask. You know, you, you're results oriented. That's all good. But now you might, hey, you might need to dial that back a little bit. Now that you're in a different role, be a little bit more patient. Be a little better listener. Get a, a collaborate more. Ask other people's opinions. It doesn't mean you take away that energy. You're just gonna have to dial it back, and you're gonna have to be self-aware enough to know that because um, in some ways you're probably going to get less feedback in the civilian world than you did in the military. Cause they're, they, you know, can't, they can't be bought. Like you better figure it out. You better. And, and, you know, a lot of people that get fired didn't ever see it coming. You know, they're not, they haven't been reading the room. So anyway, that's a long answer to your question on mindset. Sorry about that, gents. No, that was absolutely beautiful. And with that, we want to know 
what is the title of your book? What is your book and when is mm. it coming out? It's um, the title is Becoming a Self-Reliant Leader. And the subtitle is How Grit and Discipline Duty Forge Indomitable Teams. And the forward's by Stan McChrystal. And it's coming out by um, 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 Ben Bella Books. It'll be distributed by Penguin Random House. And it will be out next summer. And we're really excited. My co-author is Jackie Jordan, who is also an Army veteran. And I'm um, really proud of, 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 you know, the work we've done. And, and now we've got all, to do all that marketing stuff. You know, the book's done and, you know, but now all this other stuff comes and, but it's fun. It's a fun process. And, you know, what I'm really hoping, you know, I'd like to really, truly, truly believe that the book wasn't written with, you know, any thought of pride or ego. It was written as a foundation sort of a benchmark of, hey, here's where the crucibles are circa 2023. Whoever takes these on, maybe it's my son one day, you know, they can go back and go, hey, here was the original intent and, and we built on it. Because I, I would like to see the the self-reliant leadership crucibles, you know, continue in some way, shape or form to help veterans, you know, for years to come. So. I love it, man. And um, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, yeah. the The easiest way is is my um, website, selfrelientleadership.com. Selfrelientleadership.com. Just contact me through there. Tons of resources out there, and you know, my favorite podcasts are listed on there. Um, you know that we've the my favorite interviews that we've done, and um, all that's all that's out there. Um, and again, thanks for what you guys are doing. Um, in addition to, you know, having full-time gigs and doing other things, you've, you've carved time out to, to help, help veterans and, and continue to serve in your way. And I'm sure it's helped you because, you know, you ask really great questions, you're curious, and you probably feel like you're getting a, an MBA, you know, every time you talk to somebody that's a little bit of ahead of you on the curve. You are. A hundred percent correct. This yeah. started as a very selfless way to try to help veterans go through the transition that are going behind us. Without us knowing, we are getting paid from their experience that every single person that we interview talks and teaches us. And it's absolutely fascinating. And Jan, I want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for everything that you've done everything that you continue doing and for allowing us to spend this time with you. Thank you so much. Yep. Very good. Very good. Thank you. Thank you both. Yeah, brother. All right. Mel vet listeners, you guys heard Jan. He talked about the crucible, talked about his leadership podcast, his book that's coming out here shortly. Please go out there, hit the shelves, show some support towards Jan and his organization he really embodies what a servant leader is. Mm. So please take a listen to this, share it with others. And remember, it is your transition. So take charge of it. And it's not all rainbows and unicorns out there. Mm -hmm. Mildevet out.